Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Rebel FM. What? R- round two, we fucked up the first one. I fucked up the first one. My name is Anthony <laughs> Gallegos. With me is Matt Chandrenay. Hi. And Tyler Barber. What's up, everybody? And there's no Arthur. Arthur's Aww. a Captivate. And we were going to try and get Walter from IGN Director Drive here, but he's also gone. Do we so, have uh, any idea of like some of the things Arthur might be checking out at Captivate? Um, Has news started to trickle out yet? No I mean, news. is It's all embargoed, but I uh, haven't heard about anything. So right. They'll probably show the multiplayer Resident Evil game, I imagine. I would think so. I hope yeah, so. That'd be cool. I mean, they'll probably show... Isn't there like a Resident Evil Connect thing or something that's coming out too? I don't know. The only Resident yeah. Evil I know that's coming soon is that 3DS one that we've... Oh, yeah. That they've like showed, I guess. I'm sure I'm talking out of my ass anyway. Yeah. There's um, no Arthur here to call me on it, so I'm going to do it the whole episode. Yeah, this episode is going to be nothing but iPhone games and uh, <laughs> and a bunch of dumb bullshit. iOS games and, yeah. yeah. And if the levels are fucked up this week, it's because I'm in control. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tighten up the graphics on level three. Um, <laughs> so this week, uh, a game that I played, just to get right into it, yep. that came out, is uh, the new dishwasher game. Which, uh, oh, I forgot yeah, about that, that, that actually is like that. the only game that came out this week that, yeah. of any note. I mean, really. no, yeah, I need um, to get that. Well, wait, didn't, um, Red Faction again, the only game of any note that came out this week? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I didn't know if it was bad or not. So. <laughs> no, I, I, I've seen it at my work, and it's like only Red Faction in the, the most vaguest of terms, really. Like, it's like arena battles with vehicles. Right. And right, right, right. It looks a lot like that old school off-road arcade cabinet game. Where it had the wheels. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like that, except this is just battling, and the whole way they try and sell it as Red Faction is that you're, like, training to be, like, a, a terrorist, basically. Sort of like you're, yeah, sort of like uh, when you when you played that DS Ghost Recon game. It was only yes. Ghost Recon. It was Ghost Recon in name only. So this is like I think part of THQ's new strategy of trying to find other ways to interlink their brands and like right. push their things that are coming up. But in my mind, all this game does is hurts the Red Faction brand. Mm. Like it seems like they took another game that was just being made and they were like, Oh, we got this okay car combat thing. <laughs> oh, I know, let's make it Red Faction and have it come out like a month before to promote Red Faction. Right. But if I was playing this, I'd be like, "Fuck that Red Faction game! It's gonna be some dumb car b- combat game." Like, like as a for person people that, that don't know ignorant, anything about Red Faction, right? It, yeah. It's it's a detriment, as far as I'm concerned. I wonder. I wonder. Like, you know, it would be really interesting to be a fly on the wall in their sales report meetings and see that, like, oh well, we put this game out there and it actually worked as an effective marketing tool, or we put this game out there and we totally fucked ourselves. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I uh, man, I'm really loud. I'm sorry. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know how that really goes um, for them, yeah. but I don't think that this was a smart decision. Mm-hmm. So, but I will say that the dishwasher, on the other hand, that is a really cool game. Um, it looks really cool. It's done by James Silva. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scott Studios is the name you'll see associated with it, but in reality, Scott Studios is pretty much this one dude. Like, I think he might get maybe the tiniest bit of help from a couple of his friends with like mm-hmm. a little bit of art here and there. Mm-hmm. And does I'm he sure do the music too? I believe he does. I'm not sure though. Huh. Um, but yeah, for the labor of like one person, it's like so it it would be like the best Xbox Live indie game on the indie marketplace if it was an indie game, <laughs> right? But it's being published <laughs> as an XBLA game by right. Microsoft Game Studios, and I, but I will say that even that considered, he he is like, it's come so much 
like so well long compared to like the original dishwasher mm. like you know the original dishwasher was impressive because you were like oh check out this indie game that's actually really cool yeah the visuals and, were great right and so this one the visuals are way better and uh the first one like i don't mind hard games but i thought the first yeah. one was like ninja gaiden hard like <laughs> it was like like unnormal it was like impossible was to get it uh, and i unfortunately never got a chance to play the first one either was the first one the kind of ninja gaiden hard where if you play well enough you just get really good at it or was it like punishingly so punishingly difficult that it felt like it was broken there was just certain things that i felt like at the time you were like wow this is really impressive and that was like enough to sell you on it Mm. that you ignored the fact that the combat in a lot of ways just wasn't like i don't think it's that fun especially having played two Mm -hmm. and going back to one Mm -hmm. because in the first one you were just fighting so many guys at once mm-hmm. and and they were just like it was so hard to actually cause damage to them because they would block so much and i didn't feel like it i never felt like a badass and in the second game it's right. very clear that it is tuned to make you feel like a badass like right off the bat you like they in the first game you had a dodge mechanic as well that they introduced slowly over time yeah. in the second game you have the dodge mechanic right off the bat and it's not just a dodge it's a dodge where you can like go through the air like almost oh, like when okay. you would tap the button in Super Metroid where you could right. spin and keep going. Right. So in this one, you that way now you're using the whole environment. So you're yeah. using the air. That's you're cool. traveling through the air. and uh, That was cool because that's one thing that they added into like God of War 3's combat that I really loved was you could air dash. You know, it was that was Exactly. Fun. So in this, you can air dash. Um, and then on top of that, now enemies hurt each other, which I know sounds like such a weird thing. But in the first <laughs> game, enemies could drop grenades around each other, shoot each other, and it didn't matter. But now, because enemies hurt each other and you have all these different enemy types you're fighting at once, it's mm-hmm. like almost like half the time I'm not even doing all the comp- the battle myself. Wow, cat fight. <laughs> half the time I'm not even Jesus, doing... Jesus, pee you're a bitch. Half the time, I know. Half the time I'm not even doing all the fighting myself. I'm actually just letting the enemies play off one another yeah. while I'm avoiding combat. Like, I see a guy's about to shoot, so I roll to the other side of the guy, so he just takes the bullets. Well, that's fun like, times. Yeah, I think it's a really well done game. The one thing I will say is it's extremely repetitive. Mm. Like the levels boil down to go into a room, door shut, kill everyone, doors open, <laughs> do that a few times, reach a boss, level ends. Right, right. You know, and uh, and the story's kind of nonsensical. Like mm. it's not necessarily a knock against him. I just don't think he's like a particularly great storyteller. Mm-hmm. Which isn't to say that he isn't talented in any number. Of right. Hey. Other great ways. Sorry, Matt's breaking up a cat fight. <laughs> before um, it knocks over a HD TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> my cat is a, is a super whore. <laughs> so, what are some of the other features that the sequel brings that kind of set it apart from the first? It, like, are there honestly, a- I feel like it's more just a refinement okay. rather than like a. It's like not radically different. Other than in the first one, you only got to play as a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. In the second one, you can play as both the dishwasher and his sister, mm-hmm. and they have separate stories, even though their campaigns are largely the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but they then they play mostly the same. They have slightly different weapons, but uh, I just feel like the, the the dishwasher sister actually has like cool moments. I won't say that she has like the coolest story, like because I still think the story on both sides is kind of nonsensical. <laughs> but like for instance, uh, she has all these moments where she's constantly having like these psychological battles with the demon. So it'll go from the what you're in the game to all of a sudden being like her in a mental hospital and then switch back to the fighting and stuff. Like hers does some really interesting story things like that. And there's one battle in particular where you just see like how creative this guy is because, I mean, there's a battle where you fight a paraplegic and mm-hmm. since he can't attack you 
what he oh, does. Oh, you is, mentioned this. Is he fights yeah. you with his mind, and when he <laughs> fights you with his mind, it does random things like make you fight in other genres of games and stuff. He transports you to random genres. I don't want to spoil that for anyone because that's like one of the that is really cool moments of that game. Um, but uh, yeah, the dishwasher vampire samurai is or vampire smile. It's probably the best game to come out like in the last week or so. Nice. Um, and then. On top of that, I haven't really seen like a whole lot recently. I saw like Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, but that's pretty much what you think it is. <laughs> yeah, right? it's, it's right? a Lego game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I've just been playing a shit ton of Mass Effect Two all over again. So. Did you? Uh, excuse me. Did you start over? I had to because I lost all of my saves. Oh, that's right. I forgot. So, but it's oh. actually been good. I've been playing it a lot differently. I've been. Like before, I did. All, I recruited everyone before I did any loyalty missions, mm-hmm. and this time around, I plan on trying to romance someone else. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. And no, I've been my... making some de- de- decisions that I didn't make the first time. Yeah, well, it was my new game plus that I played through my second playthrough on, and that you know I played the deal a lot of the DLC on and stuff like that. And my second playthrough, I didn't romance anybody because I'd done the Shadow Broker DLC, which brings Liara back into it heavily. And so it sort of like reaffirmed like my personal and my character's loyalty to Liara as the love interest. <laughs> right. And so like I didn't romance anybody else. And then at the end of the game, you know, right before you go on the suicide mission, Shepard, uh, my Shepard's sitting in her cabin and like all she does is like look at a picture of Liara fondly, you know, instead of somebody coming in and, you know, you getting your nasty on. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I thought that was cool, too. Um. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I've been playing some smaller iPhone games. I will give a quick shout out to Tiny Wings. That game is still so good. That, <laughs> that game, game is the is perfect great. example of someone using a one-touch game yeah. and making something truly like magnificent out of it. I've yep, been disappointed definitely. I haven't got to try Sword and Sorcery yet. Sword and Sorcery alone has almost made me buy an iPad. Uh, it's going to it's going to be out soon on iPhone though too, so I know that's the only reason there. I have uh, yeah. temporarily been able to stay myself that and you know ipad is a significant investment yes so yes it is um yeah have you uh i don't know what have you guys been hitting up i played a um, couple rounds of call of jury duty yeah how was that <laughs> yeah. well, you talked about that before do we still no we're good okay um yeah it, it was pretty painless yeah you know uh actually the san francisco like waiting area was really tight like that's places where they you can bring your Wi-Fi. You yeah. can plug your laptop in. <laughs> uh, I, I had neither. <laughs> I had no Wi-Fi on me. But uh, <laughs> but also, um, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, listeners buying me games on Steam. They're still buying me games. It still makes me feel weird. <laughs> you you, you received more games. Yes, what bought me Killing Floor today? Nice. <laughs> now we need to play that though. That's a that's an that is a really fun game. Yeah, well, yeah. I want to check it out. But I checked out Magica. Yeah, I was. Break. I wanted to ask you how was that? How did you like it? I had a great time with that game, actually. So like I um, I, I you remember, hated it. No, yeah. <laughs> I I remember when Guitar Hero was first becoming popular. No punctuation, which if you're yeah. unfamiliar, he's sort of a a video game reviewer. He does video reviews and he zero yeah, punctuation. On, yeah, yeah. On a he's one of the it's one of the escapist yeah. shows. Yes, yeah. he's a lot of humor and stuff. Yeah. Um, there was a Guitar Hero one where he had an analogy about like y- y- your hand needing to be a spider hand. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like basically you need eight fingers. That's like kind of how I feel about magic. Uh-huh. 
It you does kind of need a spider hand. It, yeah. It does take some muscle memory to learn the spells, but eventually if you practice it, like I know it sounds stupid to practice it, but if yeah. you do practice it, you can eventually cast things like meteor shower. You just like have like yeah. a muscle memory. Well, and then that, you have, and it gets really complex because you know, there's the, you can do the, like an area of effect around your character's body for every spell variation, you know, or, like, yeah. or, or a, sh- a shoot, like you could shoot it out like a projectile. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. And it, it, it what I like about that, Anthony, is the whole, you know, learning the spells and getting the muscle memory down is, you know, I I work in the Adobe Creative Suite, so, <laughs> and I use a shit ton, I mean, of shortcuts. All shortcut keys I mean, all the time. All the time. It's fun. It's like you get, like, ninja fingers. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's a different type of ninja fingers that I'm not used to. And then I, I think the other thing that sort of is a little bit confusing for me is I don't understand their rationale behind the opposite elements kind of doesn't make sense to oh, me Oh, how they cancel each other out like or, or, or like yeah this element is opposite to that element like why like why i think it's just a good way to yeah. eliminate combinations sure so yeah you don't no. have unlimited combinations no i, I understand from like a gameplay which, which what elements saying, like where it you, doesn't make sense to me like really? where like, like where are you encountering well that one makes sense yeah and right so which one are you countering that's like what uh, i think like earth and air are opposite aren't they earth, yeah that makes sense there's like air earth like fire arcane. water and then there's arcane and health yeah, yeah. i don't know if arcane maybe and, that one didn't make sense i don't to know me if or, arcane and i don't it, it, or life or lightning something like and that stone maybe something, something like, yeah but some there of them were a few are, that didn't make yeah. sense to me i was like what <laughs> you know but uh but overall you know and it's also so it's also the first pc game i've ever played where you like um click where you want your guy to walk instead of like oh, you know because obviously right. instead of WASD for controls you're using that for your spells right i guess you never played a diablo no <laughs> no i haven't no, no, I have yeah diablo was like the the mouse destroying game click click yeah. click 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 yeah. <laughs> every guy you wanted to swing at that's right yeah. you know one thing i think that's really cool about magic is it has the handy little mouse wheel with all your spells like yeah the, you can mouse through them yeah that's cool so you can see them all you know mm-hmm. like Man, so you don't have to memorize everything. It's even harder if you try and play two player on one computer, which you can do. Yeah. But the second player uses like a 360 controller, and to access all the spell colors, you have to do stick air directions on the oh, right stick. Oh, really? That's how so it works you have to be that? like oh. up, down, left, right, fire, water, this, this. You know. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> it's, That's crazy. I I can see how that would actually be easier for some people though. Sure, I mean, people, I've just never been much of a fighting game player either. Yeah, so yeah. for me, that's really hard. It, yeah, and to, to me, like, the difficult part about it is, like, not just the spells, but also, you know, just, like, navigating enemies. Because if you just throw a regular spell, it just sort of, like, it's like a force push, mm-hmm. you know, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm just not good yet at, like, clicking and controlling my guy mm-hmm. and doing spells. And I'm just constantly getting surrounded. Well, you have to think of it a lot like a real-time strategy game with one guy. yeah. Yeah, like you yeah. have to control him kind of like that, you know. Only you don't have to select him before you can get him to move somewhere. Right. And uh, the it, it for me the big thing was the spell combinations. Like there were I I really realized that I was becoming reliant on like three or four spells and that was it. And right. I noticed that when I play because I played a lot of games online, it's actually really fun online as long as you don't get somebody who's a douchebag griefer who just kills everybody all the time because there is friendly fire. Mm. And uh, so I would. I would go online and I would see everybody else doing the same thing. They would all start relying on like the same, like three or four spells. And every now and then I'd see some, somebody else cast a different one. And then I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to cast that one too. And then somebody else would go, oh, okay, I'm going to cast that one too. And you're all casting like the same spells again. It was really funny. Um, 
A quick PSA, though, I want to give to people is that, man, everyone needs to check out. It comes out tomorrow. I'm going to, if I don't get it on my press account, I'm definitely going to buy it. Mm. I feel like I should buy it for someone mm-hmm. just to support it. Because mm-hmm. that Dino D-Day game comes out tomorrow. I really? You guys know what that is? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm aware. I've heard people talk about it, but I don't know what it yeah. is. It's a silly source mod that pits Nazi dinosaurs against oh, American the, people, and it's yeah, like it's yeah, like yeah. TF2 meets Nazi dinosaurs. I saw the YouTube a YouTube video about that, and it said, and it's like, isn't the description something like uh, Hitler? Uh, brought back dinosaurs, and that's like the only description. It yeah, has. It's, it's just like Hitler in, in search for the ultimate weapon brings back dinosaurs. Right, it's all you need to know, and it's awesome. That's great. All right, yeah, I totally need to play that. I don't know. It just seems like a really well done, like cleverly made mod. Cool. I don't know. Um, and it has dinosaurs. Yeah, I've also gone back recently and started playing uh, Warhammer: Mark of Chaos. I don't know if anybody remembers that game. They probably don't. Uh, no, I don't. Why uh, <laughs> Namco of all publishers got the rights to like fantasy Warhammer RTS games? I'll never know, <laughs> but they are really good. It like capture yeah. it's like the best example of like Warhammer done in a video game, hmm. in the sense like of tabletop Warhammer in an because, RTS sense. Not in yeah, yeah, because sense. there's no unit building. Yeah, but even more than Dawn of War, it's like Warhammer because before every battle, there's a deployment. Mm. And you have a deployment zone, mm-hmm. so you can arrange them in the formations yeah, you want, yeah. and then you start. It's very much like Shogun in that regard, or you oh, know any of the right. Total War games. But you know you have to deal with all the typical things like morale, like all these things that are a big deal. Attaching heroes to units, detaching heroes from units, magical spells. Like I don't know. I just yeah. think it was such a cool game, but they must have just sold terribly. I don't know because yeah. there was like one, and there was an expansion that came out for the 360, and then it died. Huh. But there's a. There's a interesting that that video going around of the uh, Warhammer game that Relic. Man, I know what you're video, talking. Well, the it's, developer it's, diary. Yeah, it's it's a. Oh, it's, I haven't seen it. I mean, actually, we were talking about that in our office today because it was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Why didn't IGN get that? When so, who got it was Machinima. Mm-hmm. Oh, Machinima yeah, got okay. it exclusively. Right, and which isn't that surprising because uh, while Machinima may not be like a household name to a lot of gamers, like. They are they still the are biggest huge. YouTube channel, I think. At no, least the, the biggest actually, gaming one. The, the biggest YouTube channel that's gaming related is Call of Duty. Like oh, the, just like the Call of Duty channel, the like the like the Call of Duty channels or whatever. <laughs> they they are the biggest. Machinima though has is yeah. is, is is like just to give you the perspective, IGN's YouTube channel is huge. Yeah. And Machinima's is way bigger than ours. <laughs> to so. me, when to me when we start talking about this stuff, it, it it makes me think of like thinking of the size of different stars. Like man, how big is our fucking sun? Oh yeah, but how big is a white star? Like, or, like, or how oh, big yeah. is a red giant? Right, yeah, but exactly. the thing about Machinima <laughs> though is that Machinima isn't like a big business. Yeah, it's like a smaller, like tiny operation run by these dudes who just were like you wouldn't brilliant. know that by seeing their booth at E three. Yeah, but it's just like <laughs> these dudes that are like brilliant and took advantage of YouTube before yeah. everyone else knew that that was going to be like some way you could turn it into something. Yeah. You know? They produce a ton of content. They, they do. They produce do. a lot. And they have but, some good stuff. But to go back to your point about that trailer, it is, man, I saw that and I was like, it looks cool. I want that game to be good so bad. I know, it does look I, cool. I just feel like you got to keep your guard up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Relic think, makes great RTS games, but when it comes to like a third-person shooter, I don't know, man. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, like actiony. I Did, I'm having a hard time like getting a grip of like what kind of game it is. I think it's ma- primarily the way I gather it is like 
a third person shooter with occasional moments where you have to do like like dark siders or god of war hand to hand you know what i mean but it's primarily a shooter hmm. i don't know it looks really nice i think the the graphical look that it has is actually cool. I, I, I think that, that Relic, if there's one thing they've always had, is that they've always nailed that aesthetic of Warhammer 40K. And to some degree, it looks like they've taken Warhammer Dawn of War 2, up it quite a bit, and, and, and <laughs> somehow made the character models giant. Yeah. like Almost like almost like somehow they zoomed us down behind the exactly. shoulder of a Marine in, right. in Dawn of War. Yeah. Right. And then threw some uh, smart blur on their... Um, motion you know, yeah like movements. i feel like a lot of the art and stuff it's all the same like if you've seen orcs in the cutscenes in dawn of war 2 you've seen the orcs that are in right. like this but that's not necessarily a bad thing but a lot of people might work the thing they don't get and i'm sure it's like it's got to be a common thing here in america is why the fuck is that game called space marine like to me it makes perfect <laughs> sense i'm like oh well that's because space marines are the biggest army in 40k it's the primary army everyone plays mm. you know they kind of almost I don't want to say they invented the term space marine by any means, but when they were one of the original like progenitors of the idea of a yeah. space marine. Yeah, but that term definitely. later became a derogatory Yes, term exactly. Yeah. Like people talk yeah. when people talk shit about games they're like, "What? It's going to star some bald-headed space marine?" Right. I mean, and, if, like, that's if what it they was are. called bald space marine, then that yeah. would be an alternate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I that mean, would just, be the diss title. It's yeah. just hard cuz it's like what else are they supposed to call the game cuz anything they call it is probably going like it's like, do you take that risk and do you make it something that's supposed to galvanize fans that will mm -hmm. recognize that name and be like, oh shit, or do you call it something that's like supposed to try and grab people? Like, like I, I feel know. like I feel like Space Marine is only derogatory to you know sort of the core gamer set. Yeah, like most people out there are gonna be like, you have to be pretty dude. I want to play a game that's uh, where I'm a Space Marine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just like Dawn of War Two, right? We all call it Dawn of War Two, which is interesting because the real name of the game is Warhammer Forty Thousand. Mm -hmm. War 2. Like, no one even calls it Warhammer 40k they don't even really call it Warhammer 40k yeah. but it's like I don't know if that branding like it's still on the box I wonder how important that is for like the euro market and stuff yeah. because Warhammer 40k is like ridiculously big I don't know yeah, but I'd like yeah, it to yeah. be successful because it'd be cool to see as just a Warhammer nerd mm -hmm. more things but I don't know you know I, I can't really tell what type of game it is either when you watch the video Maybe it'll surprise everybody, and this video is just supposed to like misdirect you somewhat. I would like that. It comes yeah. out in I think September or something like that. Huh. So I don't August, know September area. Yeah, I don't know. I, Relic doesn't have the greatest track record with console games. I mean, they made the outfit, which wasn't particularly great. That was like yeah. a 360 launch game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Man, I I, um, I I sort of talked about it on Twitter a little bit, and we struck up a little conversation but i recently beat the first portal on pc again for like uh, the third time or something yeah, yeah baby, <laughs> baby. i saw like the new ending now and baby's first oh, mouse cool. fps yeah dude yeah. oh my god it's the perfect like mouse training like keyboard game that's awesome um wait what's the new ending i don't think i've played it and seen the new ending the new ending it sounds like a robot is dragging you away you hear you hear someone uh you hear a robot voice when behind you land you say, yeah. Outside. I thought that's the way it always was. Uh-uh. You oh, just it, fades yeah. to black. Oh, but really? you hear the robot say, like, thank you for assuming the position, and then it mm. starts dragging you away. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. But, um, but you know, I, I put on Twitter, and I, and I want to reiterate it here, that I feel like Portal, and, you know, I feel like there's a few different angles you can come at it, but Portal is one of the best examples of 
successful use of story in game of using oh, the totally. medium I felt as like, the story. I felt yeah. like such a Valve like def- defense force lately because people like <laughs> are talking about like com- uh, effect- like effective storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's because like when you play something like Gears of War. Or when you play something like a kill zone mm-hmm. or any of these games, they're constantly telling you how to feel. Yes. Like, oh, it's sad he died. We're gonna play sad music now and mm-hmm. we're going to tell you like, oh he's crying, see? Mm-hmm. Whereas like like I was talking to Sean Elliott recently and he was saying like, you know, to go back to Half Life Two, the reason that they're so effective is like they're always making you do everything that makes you care. Like 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 you hang out with Alex, you build a mm-hmm. relationship with her for hours mm-hmm. and then when it comes time for them to heal her they're like, well, you have to protect us if you want us to heal. Right. Yeah. And so now you're doing this thing where you're directly having an effect on her life without being a cutscene that's just you mm-hmm. healing her. Right. Or yeah. to bring it back to Portal, having to incinerate the companion cube. Right. Mm-hmm. In order to move on. Yeah. Um, or or you know discovering, uh, getting behind the wall for the first time. Oh, I mean, that's right, like yeah. the heaviest moment I think I've ever had in a game ever. Was wow, when I really? walked behind that wall and I was like, "Oh shit!" People have been here before. <laughs> People, yeah. Not I mean, that only was that, you have been there before. A di- one of a the biggest you. fucking yeah. moments yeah. ever for me in a game. I just, yeah, I think that uh, Valve always does it well because a, they never tell you, and b, you're always doing it. They're never. They, not only they're yes. not telling you, but they're not being like, "And we're going to remove control from you," and the the camera is going to guide you into this room, and you're going to spend time looking at the pieces of art on the <laughs> right. wall we want you to look at. Right, and it, and it has a, a really good soundtrack, you know, but it's not there all the time. It's yes. only there at very specific moments where it's like, this is clearly an action sequence, and you're gonna feel you're gonna feel under pressure, and it's gonna feel actiony, mm-hmm. no matter who you are. So we're gonna go ahead and put another layer on that with the music, yeah. or. When you go behind the wall the first time, they yeah, there's some they sort of fade like, in like a really like kind of unsettling yeah ambient mm-hmm. like you they sound. let you know you've discovered something fucked up with yeah. the music. Yeah, here's one thing, I, one question I came up with like like canon wise was how far do you guys think the rat guy got? The what got the the first whoever was in these chambers before you. Who is riding on the wall and all that? Oh, the way that the way that I they got. Well, the way that I see it is that you know, Chell is a clone, right? Yeah. And so it's like each time she's cloned, they put she gets pushed through the maze, and the idea is to yeah, the idea is to get her farther and farther. So what you're seeing is that like you know, Chell clones. It's sort of like Memento, you know, where she's like writing messages to to her future here's, clones. Here's the thing. I don't know. To me, when I look at the inscriptions on the wall and stuff and the way it's done, it just seems like a male would do it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't that's, know. Maybe I, I, that I get the impression the that it's a male the game, yeah. that came before her. And I understand the whole cloning thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. it could, could all I be don't, Shell. Yeah, I, I really think that it's just previous clones of Chell talking to the ones that are going to be after her. Yeah. And like, sometimes it's like, you know, she's driven mad because like, she can't get out of the maze and all she is is stuck behind the wall and can't get any further. Right. You know? And then the, eventually there's a clone that figured out how to get further. And it's because like the, the way that I see it is, it's because aperture has been closed down forever, but the program is still, still running. running. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. I guess, which is cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's totally cool. Yeah. 
Anyway, um, but yeah, Portal I need to play it Portal. now to see the other ending. I mean, even if it's only, I guess I could just go on YouTube or something. Probably, yeah. Well, but, lo- you, you know, you might have a save game that's from near the end of the game too. Yeah, I just feel like I want to replay it anyways, just because it's like so close to mm. Portal Two at this yeah. point. And I it is feel so like good. they changed the PowerPoint presentations that you watch when you go back in. Oh, I really? Could be completely wrong about that. <laughs> but I could have swore like they threw in a few graphs the first time around. I didn't see any graphs the second. I don't remember. No, no bar graphs. I couldn't I tell could you. I be completely making that up. I mean, that's the way memory works, right? Yeah, exactly. Just fucking fill in the blanks. Yep. Shit you don't remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, goddamn Portal. You know, and, <laughs> and, and of course, the other side of the coin, another company that does things well, and they take a completely different approach, you know, BioWare, they tell the story to you, but the, the way they use the medium is allowing you to choose some of the directions of the story. You yeah, know? So like, that's how they kind of get away with it. I know, it's, it's interesting it. because, yeah, they do tell you what's going to happen. But, the whole time. But they choose, They let you choose how you feel. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's what yeah. it is. You're still yeah. choosing. Like, the, you only get a limited option of how you feel. It's true. There isn't, mm-hmm. like, an ultimate outcome. But it is interesting. You know, I think they're <laughs> still learning a lot from that. Like, even between Mass Effect 1 and 2, like them like i don't know isn't it like in mass effect one and two the difference was like when you picked the bottom option it would be like tell me more but he wasn't gonna say tell me more mm-hmm. he's gonna say i'd like to know more about this or something like that you know you never quite knew you were like well that's gonna just kind of convey the attitude they're gonna mm-hmm. come at it with i think that helps yeah, yeah. you know i i don't know to me a lot of the games that are really successful with story tell it heavily through the environment too and that's one thing I, I feel like i wish bioware would adopt more like you see a little bit of it in mass effect 2 where you like run into maybe a space station where you know somebody committed suicide or something you know, it's an easy one but you know i mean you know games like bioshock left for dead mm-hmm. you know really tell the story through the environment and um and you know i, I think mass effect 2 does a Mass Effect does a pretty good job of that but it could it could use some improvement in the yeah. environmental storytelling yeah, they. I they mean, do other than just being settings, you know, like yeah. they do tell stories, but they're the Mass Effect storytelling is almost all in the characters. It's true. I mean, and it's hard to I think because in something like Bioshock, you're constantly in rapture, so that's like a way that they can set the tone and kind of tell mm-hmm. a story through that. Whereas in Mass Effect, the setting is constantly changing, is, where yeah. I think it's kind of hard to tell. But I mean, like you get it. You, I mean, there's some environments that are just obvious and that they do really well. Like you know, when you're on. In Mass Effect 2, like when you're on uh, the Krogan homeworld and it's been destroyed multiple totally. times over, and yeah. it's very clearly been destroyed multiple yeah. times. And they over. do a tiny, they do a tiny little bit of that with like uh, Jacob's loyalty mission, where yeah. you're like meeting oh, all right. the crazy people yeah. and stuff. That's yeah. like kind yeah. of an environment where you're like, oh, okay, I'm getting some sort of backstory. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I think Mass Effect does that some games don't always do well. Is I think Mass Effect more than like a lot of other games does a really good job of toying with your expectations. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. go into that Jacob thing, assuming you're there to save his father. Yeah. Or like the Morden loyalty quest, you assume you're saving Morden's guy. And right. Like, I just, I just love the way that. Yeah. They change it up on you like that. Yeah. yeah definitely. And yeah, they love those shades of gray area. They do. I love to take it. I know. Well, yeah. since I wasn't here for the Mass Effect spoiler cast back in the day, mm-hmm. I'm curious. Did you guys tell Morden that the genophage was wrong or right? I told him. And the first time I played it, I think I just kind of avoided it. I think this, I kind of just avoided the but question. But this, this new one, I told him it was the right thing to do. I decided, yeah. I decided it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. And I'm playing uh, polar characters, so I probably did both. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to pick. Like, I hardly ever pick renegade answers. 
But I will say that almost without fail, every time a renegade like quick time thing comes up, I always take it. <laughs> really? Yeah. They're, they're, funny. they're so they good. Funny. They're yeah. always so good. Like one to one time was like in the quest where you go to find uh, Thane. Is that his name? Yeah, Sorry. Thane. Yeah. Uh, you. Uh, there's that guy that's like standing by the window, and you put your gun up to him, and he mm-hmm. like talk some shit and so you just throw them out the window yeah <laughs> i was like all right <laughs> through the window there's uh the walls <laughs> there's um yeah I, I mass effect was the first rp mass effect 2 anyway was the first rpg where i just went for how i think my shepherd would go in that moment and i was like because like i felt such a rich connection with the character mm-hmm. that i was like Oh fuck you! And I would choose like a renegade answer. Exactly. Right. That's that's what it came down to. Yeah. Just like with that in the Krogan, in Grunt's loyalty mission, that Krogan yeah. that comes up and talks shit to you. Yeah. I was like, I'm a headbutt this fool because he's talking shit. Yeah, I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. So. so yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a thing that Bioware does as far as their storytelling it's, is you really do have a connection with a character who doesn't even have your voice. And, it has a f- yeah completely different voice. And I like that in Bioware games. I don't want that in my Valve games. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I don't want to be making decisions for Shell. Yeah, I, you know, where you don't want you don't want to be like you don't want to be a guiding hand yeah, to her decision making. You just want to do it. Yeah, you know, I don't. I I think these divisions are interesting. I guess was why. Yeah. and they're they're different methods of effective yeah. storytelling. Yeah, I guess I you're right because cool. it's totally when you're totally right about the Tyler. Because when I play Mass Effect. I often tell people when I'm talking about it, well, my shepherd yeah. does this, but I never think about any game Valve has ever done is like, well, my Gordon Freeman. No, right. it's just <laughs> I play as Gordon Freeman and I get to see how Gordon right. Freeman lives. But there's also like only one way that a that a Valve story can play out. Sure. You know, the you the uh the you have a lot of of agency in the uh in the way that you move around a level or whatever, but like the story is only ever going to end in one way. Yeah. And I guess that's why I enjoy playing Valve games for the same reason. I enjoy like watching evocative films and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. the way they make me feel. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I play Bioshock, I'm not playing it to how they make me feel as much as the, like, th- like the thrill of like choosing my own adventure. Like I, th- I feel oh, like you, you don't mean, you mean mass effect. You said yeah. yeah Bio- Bioware, Bioware, games. Bioware games. Bioware games are like, are like reading books. And I feel like <laughs> Valve games are like watching movies. So where do we feel hmm. like games like Oblivion or Fallout kind of hit? They like this? they fe- they feel like the cool thing about uh like Bethesda RPGs is that they're the only ones left that are going for the we are going to give you an alternate life to live kind of experience, you know. Yeah. They're really even re- more Yeah. Like it's not this is my night or mm-hmm. this is me. <laughs> right. It's not you in third person yeah i mean even in even in games like mass effect you're always on a quest Mm -hmm. and there are definitely times in fallout you're like like and there's never time that i've ever played mass effect 2 and been like you know i'm just gonna wander right that never happens yeah right that's well there's kind of nowhere to wander exactly (laughs) i don't ever just go wandering and be like here's a building i've never been in before right i'm gonna go see if i can find anything good in it yeah you know yep and that's exactly what you know bethesda games do Mm -hmm. is that you know that's why I'm so looking forward to Skyrim is because the one thing the a very big thing that BioWare RPGs have over Bethesda RPGs in my mind is that BioWare RPGs make you feel like 
you are on a mission with other people that you have relationships with. Mm -hmm. And Bethesda games are all about a relationship with the environment and with the world. And the other people that are in it are kind of window dressing to that world. Yeah, you're om- in Bethesda games, I very much so, more than any other game, feel like I'm telling my own story. Yeah. In Mass Effect, I feel like I'm, I'm picking my story. But yeah, I'm that's picking it from yeah. like a, a, a like a several. It's like a salad bar of yeah. story you can go yeah. in. Yeah. And, and, and whereas in Fallout, I, I'm pretty, or in, in Bethesda games in general, I'm pretty much like, I don't know how this is gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I might go and do quest for this random vampire for a while, and right. then move on to this ghost guy, but yeah. maybe never even finish that. And I and yeah. I do feel like uh, my my Bioware stories have a more have more emotional resonance with me. Agreed. Yeah, my my yeah. Bethesda stories may be more my story, yeah. but they have less emotional resonance. Agreed. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, there's never been a particular character that I, in any Bethesda game, where I've been like, I feel very attached to you. Yeah. Or if it was, I it feel was attached like, to their stats. Yeah. Because <laughs> I built those. Oh, there was a. <laughs> the only character one, like... I ever felt ra- very vaguely attached to is. Fallout 3, the super mutant. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's <laughs> like, Hawk, right? he's, yeah. Because he has like an interesting sort. And, you know, and I think that's partially because like while there are like the equivalent of like, I don't know, like the new Fallout has like the equivalent of like loyalty missions in a way and stuff like that. Vegas. Yeah. Vegas yeah. Does. But, you know, they don't. But you have to find them, you know, yeah. whereas like so a lot of people I, I'm curious to see like how many people ever even experienced yeah. that. I've yeah. only heard about it third party through people telling me about it. I, so I liked the fact that you had so many companions that they all came to live with you in your apartment and stuff like that. Yeah, me too. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's hard to do that character development when it's not like Mass Effect kind of makes, I mean, it doesn't make it a hundred percent mandatory, but it's right. very easy to feel like, Oh, they lay it out for you very clearly. The, this is where you go to do game. that. It is. Yeah. yeah, it is the plot line. So yeah, they, they, they have character development written into the plot. Whereas I feel like Fallout three, a lot of the secondary characters, you can never really get much out of them out of hearing except hearing them talk shit when they kill someone right yeah. that's your, that's your... funny incidental dialogue yeah, yeah. like yeah. It, it, you know that's another thing like incidental dialogue in games that is so that important in particular yeah it's incredibly important and in yeah that's well, the that, reason that... enslaved or like or like uncharted those games do it so well totally. that you get well, the story that... in between the lines i'm sorry i was just like gonna i was thinking that like that reminds me so much of you know why i like dragon age 2 and uh, so like to get into one of the only games that I'm still playing, you know, like is that Dragon game, Age. They 2. really use a bunch of incidental dialogue. It like is all whoever's over. with you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's the whole fun of like changing your party. Mm-hmm. To me, uh, you know, aside from the ta- you know the tactics are fun too, yeah. but it's like what are, you know what are these two going to say to each other? I think it's the biggest yeah. incentive, and like you can have three companions. And if you have the right three companions, then those it won't just be two companions talking to each other. They'll play off each other. They'll play off. All three people will play off. And uh, I don't think I've ever had a situation where all three people have played off each other and then my character said something. But there have been situations where two of the characters played off something and then my hawk said something as well. Oh, man, that's just, that's just so mind-blowing when you think about it sometimes because it's like uh, when I try and think about like just to for all the people that like to talk shit about people that make games it's like <laughs> thinking about having to write a situation where you're like if they bring this character yeah. then this if this then this but also right. if they bring this then this right it's like having those interplay dialogues like that especially even with like dlc characters and stuff 
because of Mass Effect, I brought I bought the Kasumi DLC, mm-hmm. and she has all these dialogue that mm-hmm. plays off other people's dialogue. I'm like, dude, they did that so long after the fact. Like, <laughs> I can't even imagine what it was like to go back and be like, oh yeah, we have to remember to record lines for you for fucking random side quest number forty seven. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, that happens all the time in Dragon Age two as well, and with the DLC character because the first time I played through Dragon Age two, um, I didn't have the Sebastian DLC. The second time I played through, I did. And the first time it was because, like, for some reason, my I couldn't figure out why it wasn't loading my save game and why it wasn't loading any of my DLC and stuff like that. And I was, fuck it, I'm just going to play through it anyway. And then the second time I figured out what all the problem was, it was user error. And, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, like, um, like I di- it didn't load my save game from D- from Origins because or from Awakening or whatever it was because I, I didn't see the menu option. And then online, I hadn't apparently like I hadn't linked my EA account properly or whatever for the DLC, but whatever. Um, yeah, so like the second time I've been playing through, I, I played all the way through. The first time is a rogue, a melee rogue. And the second time I'm about probably 60, 65% through with a mage character. And the experiences are really, really different from one another. But it's also interesting having Sebastian with me and his dialogue coming in at other times because he wasn't there. So it's been really obvious to me that like, wow, okay. So like they probably are like, let's make a character that can be a DLC character right from the beginning and we'll just snip him out for anybody that doesn't have him. But when he's in there, it actually does make the experience richer. It doesn't feel like... You have that Sebastian character. You don't feel like, oh, okay. Because, like, I think Kasumi, even though she has, like, incidental dialogue, the fact that you can't have actual conversations with her and you stuff. You can't onboard the ship. You, yeah. You can go up and talk to her, but it doesn't turn into a conversation. It's just right. like a call and response, call and response. Right. And both her and the, the mercenary guy, what's his name? I can't remember. Um, the two of them yeah. both are the same kind of downloadable character. And like you can talk about things in the room around them and have them say stuff and it's all cool. But there's no dialogue there's, trees. Yeah, there's no dialogue trees. There's no depth. And I, you know, and Sebastian isn't like that. Sebastian is a lot like Shale was from Origins where it's like, okay, this is a full on realized character. And it, That was cool. a great character. Shale? Yeah, yeah. Shale's great. And they they uh, and it's funny because like Sebastian is a super religious guy, mm-hmm. and uh, like I think in Dragon Age two probably more than any other Bioware game that I've played, your party can either really like each other or really hate each other. Is Sebastian the one that hates uh, hates mages? Is no, he doesn't hate mages. Oh, okay, no, he doesn't. Well, he at least he hasn't really acted like he does yet. I mean, like he's definitely for the chantry and stuff like that, and he's mm-hmm. very religious, but he doesn't seem to oh, hate mages. <laughs> but Dragon Age, Dragon Age Two is like a game that I'm very much enjoying, in spite of very, very strong flaws. Like the, uh, I, I just wish that I could marry Origins and Dragon Age Two because that's like my perfect fantasy RPG. And uh, like, because I went back actually after I played Dragon Age Two once and played uh, a Dragon Age Origins character that was about sixty percent through, and I finished that character. Because I was like, I just want to compare the two games, see how they play from one another. And I got so sucked in that I marathoned through the end of that game and then played all the DLC again. And then reloaded that and then loaded that character into Dragon Age 2. Uh, well, the save, game anyway, the save game anyway. Into Dragon Age 2 for the mage character that I've been playing now. And it's cool because there's also like quests and stuff that pop up in Dragon Age 2 if you've played the first one that, that, 
they don't if you don't load a save game, even if your your character doesn't transfer over directly. Hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, the combat in Dragon Age Two is way, way, way better than Dragon Age One. Oh, I see. That's one thing I always wondered because you know they a lot of people were like, oh, they're just going to make it really dumb and simple and sometimes it is simplified but to the vast benefit of the gameplay it's so much more exciting and like sometimes it comes down to simple things like the animation like you play a mage character and the way that they fire their staff at the enemies they're all twirling it around and you know every now and then they slam the butt of it on the ground and then the the spell effect like hits the person from beneath them you know and depending on whether it's like a nature staff or an ice staff or fire staff you know it has different effects all the time and if somebody gets within melee range your character's like a fucking kung fu master with their staff the way they hit hit everybody around them with it you know that game seems uh Am I wrong? Like I haven't, I haven't played it, mm. but I've watched it being played by mm-hmm. the person that's writing our guide at work, and I'm pretty sure I see her hit people with swords sometimes, and they blow up into pieces. They do, okay. and that's one thing that I don't like <laughs> because it's like you can like hit people with an arrow, and it's there is a skill called exploding arrow, but you're hitting people with an arrow, just normal arrow, and they go, <laughs> <laughs> they gib everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's way too much gibbing in that game, and, I, I, and it's like I actually think it's a shortcut because. I'm pretty sure that what they intended with it, and this game takes shortcuts in some really interesting sure. ways. And I think what they intended was for the game to have a lot of dismemberment and a lot of violence, but they were like, ah, fuck it. Just make him explode. And we'll call that messy kills. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having and, individual dismemberment hit detection to say, Oh, his arm got cut. Yep, yeah, exactly. And I think they, uh, they also had kind of the same philosophy when it came to the setting and the environments. Like, uh, cause you know, the whole thing centers around the city of Kirkwall and you spend like eight or nine years, almost a decade or something like that in Kirkwall. It's this game takes place over a long period of time in the life of your character. Wow. I thought it would have been like a month or something. No, it's a really long time. And, uh, Kirkwall never changes. (laughs) Never. The only thing that's different is when you get into the third act and you're in mind and you know by now if you're doing all the side quests and you're doing talking to your characters your sub characters a lot uh you know you're going to be spending a good 60 hours in this game and 60 hours later you're still in the same goddamn city and nothing has changed it, it really grates on you the, the the farmer's market is in the same place the farmer's market <laughs> is always in yeah. the same guy is manning the stall in the same clothes the only difference is he's selling stuff that's appropriate to the level of your character you know it's like the the only difference that i could see in the environments between like the first act and the third act was that in the third act it's like sunset in high town <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm like, come on, Bioware. Uh, it's like, I know that like Dragon Age Two came out pretty quickly, but the fact that it that the setting just doesn't change at all, and it's like the one thing that Bioware games have always been pretty good about is making you feel like you're kind of having an effect on stuff, even if it's only superficial in some ways. And uh, in Kirkwall, like. I feel like I'm having an effect on the other characters in my party, but I don't feel like I'm having any effect at all in the city because it looks exactly the same. And there's just so much repetition. Uh, Like every cave that you go in is a variation of the same cave, just with different passages cut off. You know, like you go through the same environment because there's some outside environments outside of Kirkwall and you're always going to those same environments. You're always going to the battles in the same spot that you always had battles before. Um, 
the streets of Kirkwall are the same. The doors are the same. Everybody's the same. And like, and it ha and there's so just so much repetition that it's like, I really can't believe that I'm as far through into the second playthrough as I am. Yeah, it sounds like it's not, <laughs> when you describe it like that, it sounds like a an artificially extended game that succeeds because the story is just good. Like, yeah, it's, it's good enough that it doesn't. You don't care. It, what if and what it feels like to me is that they had all of this really rich story for you and for all of your party members, and it's there. That's like a hundred percent there. But they didn't have enough setting to have it all happen in. So they were like, yeah, we'll just repeat the same shit over and over again. And like people won't care because the RPG-ness of this is so good. Then, you know, people kind of do care. I mean, like, you know, on Metacritic, it doesn't have as high a score as uh, Dragon Age Origins. And I think I really think it's because just because of the setting, because everything else in that game is better than Dragon Age one. But the set and like in the individual set pieces too, none of them are as epic as some of them that are in Dragon Age, like Dragon Age Origins, you know, since I went through that so marathon through that second playthrough of origins you know um i saw a lot of the really awesome detailed environments of the game massive vistas lots of geometry sections in the uh in the deep roads like when uh uh when you go into uh you know how in the uh you played origins right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah not the whole thing but oh not like... the whole thing did you get to the deep roads uh I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while. Well, the, so you go into Orzammar. Is it looking? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <So> it's <laughs> not at all. Not even close. <laughs> so you didn't get there. So you go into Orzammar, which is the Dwarven City, which is a massive, awesome underground city with huge high ceilings and lava everywhere. And you go into the deep roads. You fight all the way to the other side of, you know, where the dwarves have carved out into this, uh, this old tag and these... Tigs, I guess, are what they use as names for the old dwarven cities. Mm. And, uh, I mean, you get the sense that you've gone from one end of the world to the other on the surface, and you've gone from one end of the world to the other uh, underground through the dwarven tigs and the deep roads and stuff like that before you even get to the end of the game. And there are so many massive settings in between all of that that, uh, you know, it just increases that, that feeling. And they're really, I can't think of anything in Dragon Age 2 that feels as massive or as amazing as some of those settings in Dragon Age Origins. And it's a shame because there really is so much awesome stuff to really enjoy about Dragon Age 2. You know, and that being said, maybe the rest of the stuff just is good enough because I'm, you know, about 60% 60, 60 through my second playthrough. I also started a rogue character and a, and a warrior character, which mm. you're probably about six or seven hours in, both of those. Wow. And it's like, I think it must just be because the moment-to-moment -moment combat and because the sub-characters and the, the different ways that you can approach things um, are enough to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a way that, like, to me that speaks of a good developer because it t tells me that they focused all their resources in the right places because yeah. it's obviously the sweet spot that's keeping you on yeah exactly you know? yep um, I mean, because even in even in mass effect you 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 revisit the citadel two years later and it's completely different yeah you know granted it's a different game you know? right <laughs> it's a different game yeah <laughs> same universe it seems like though in mass effect 2 the citadel is extremely limited it is yeah oh yeah it's very way limited. smaller but yeah. still different yeah I don't know. It's just uh, I I love the the Dragon Age series. It's great. It's just the Dragon Age two. It's it's missing the key components that could make it like a 
as amazingly an epic experience as the first one was. It's, you know, and, and it just, it actually makes me really hopeful for Dragon Age 3 because there's got to be more because they mm-hmm. started an entire new story. You know? Well, that and they, they've said since then they've sold a million. So any game that I'm sure sells a million, they're yeah. not going to kill Sequel. that franchise. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. I would still, you know, people who... I think people who are afraid that the second one is really going to like ruin Dragon Age for them or something. Um, I just don't think so. I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, you're, you're likely to be disappointed in the setting the way that I was, but you shouldn't be disappointed in the rest of the game at all. So is there anything else you gentlemen have played? It's okay if not. Sims Dude, Medieval. I've, I've been got, playing more Sims Medieval, but I talked about that I've last week. I've got four more C4 kills in Bad Company 2, <laughs> and I will have every award in that game. Holy shit balls. Four C4 kills. I've been playing some Call of Duty Black Ops recently. Yeah? Just out of nowhere with my friend. And I, well, I will say we were playing split screen online. <laughs> so take that as a grain of salt with what I'm about to say. That that, that, that engine is really starting to show its age. Uh, yeah. I kind of feel like that in general... Like I, I mean, like even if you play the single player, War. I'm just saying, like you know, when we saw the first Modern Warfare, we were like, "Holy, it looked great, shit!" But I think at this point, like, if if honestly, if like the Call of Duty franchise wants to compete with like Battlefield and like Crisis and these other games mm-hmm. that are like pushing the envelope graphically, they have to get over the whole 60 frames a second thing. They need to be willing to drop it down to 30 and just push and find out what a new engine could do. Like it just seems to me like are they are they the ones that run Quake two? They're Quake three. It's Quake. Quake. It's a mod. It's a ridiculously modified Quake three engine. So, but yeah, to me it just seems like at this point, like I even like you know even Insomniac realized too. that they had to drop it down to like thirty, <laughs> yeah, and like do more with it because sixty you make sacrifices to make it sixty, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like even Call of Duty needs to run at that crazy smooth thing like frame rate to make it like a game that could like be that great and especially in a year when you have battlefield coming out where all signs point to the way it's gonna look man i don't know it's yeah just, but pc's their primary platform for that one we haven't even seen it running on console it's yet. true and i'm sure it won't look as good but i i still feel like i feel like the call of duty games days are numbered if they're gonna keep if they're just gonna try and turn them out with that engine i mean you know obviously big battlefield fan here but i you know i just feel even now like if you look at bad company 2 and you look at like black ops i feel bad company 2 is still still looks great whereas black ops i do feel like it's starting to look dated to me well and you do have to keep in mind also that black ops single player is better looking than black ops multiplayer sure yeah oh, right yeah. and that's again why i said split screen online <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> and they dumb things down for both of those reasons yeah you know what i will say is like fuck yeah it has a split screen online that's pretty cool that's awesome um, yeah battlefield does not um but also before we talk about matt's new venture i wanted to say that I, I only recently found out that Tim Longo, the guy we had on this podcast, that uh, f- that we had him on the final episode of the Star Wars Republic Commando uh-huh. Game Club because he made that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. He just that. left Crystal Dynamics yep. and went back to LucasArts. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. And, and now yeah, he's in charge of a, of a new game. Yep. Wow, that's awesome. That guy was rad. And, yeah. And, he's, and now I'm wondering if he works just down the street from me. He's creator he, of Jedi he, Starfighter. Republic Commando, like huh. you know, he's like he's done these great Star Wars games. So, if, if there's anyone I feel like can bring Lucas Arts back from the realm of of meh to crap Star Wars games, hopefully it's him. I mean, so, I, I, I mean, hope so. Something I mean, had to be good enough to make him go back. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, like maybe they promised him the right thing, but yes. I mean, bad I management can tear yeah. down anybody. I'm sure yeah. he was staring down like a whole fucking hallway of Laura Croft titles that they wanted <laughs> him to shove out too, right? I mean, well, he's been at Crystal for a while too, and yeah, I imagine true. that's mostly what they. I mean, you know, in the time like, he's been there, what fuck. has he done outside of Laura Croft games? Truth. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was really cool to see that. Totally, like, Tom Longo. Congrats. I would like. To, I would like to see if they're making Star Wars Republic Commando two. Mm-hmm. Or or the next. Uh, what what was their battle game? Battlegrounds. Dude, Star Wars Republic Commando. No, fuck you, Tyler. What was it no? Was, it was called Battlefront. Battlefront. <laughs> and no, we don't want that game. Don't ever make that game. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. No, no, no. Don't ever make that game if it means we're not going to get. Investors Republic would be Commando like, oh, this two. is some kind of big multiplayer game. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they have Commando to realize two. that Republic Commando is hot right now. Yeah. Not because of the Republic Commando, but because Star Wars The Clone Wars is so hot. Yeah. Mm. That, that the whole idea of Republic fighting and stuff during that era, which that game takes place in, right. could be done. Right. And they left Republic Commando at such a cliffhanger. They did. Republic Commando was so good. I so love, it, needs, yeah. it needs to... Either that or just make a really awesome Clone Wars game. Even if it's done all cartoony like the Clone right. Wars. Well, and cool. yeah. And to those of you that are new to Rebel FM, go back and listen to our Republic Commando Game Club. Yeah. yeah. A month and from now, I'm going to tell you guys that I'm I'm quitting everything to go and be <laughs> an advisor on Republic Commando 2. <laughs> yeah. Hire us to we'll, we'll do voice acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, they got off cheap with voice acting. Oh, no, they didn't. Never mind. I was thinking because, you know, if it's all the same guy, but they, no, had no, different no, they voices. actually had different yeah. voices. Yeah. yeah. Um, they decided to change him up so that you could tell who was talking. Yeah. I'm the sniper. Yeah. Um, so. So now that we've talked to the games we played. Yes. Important announcement. Oh, my. Oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. This is super exciting. <laughs> so Area 5 finally released the project that we've been working on for months now. And uh, it's a joint venture with these guys, Atomics, and it's called Atomics. Uh, uh, well, of course it's called Atomics. But with an X. <laughs> Atomics with an X. A-T-O-M-I-X. I'll be honest, I'm not thrilled with the name, but it's, all, but it's a brand that is already pretty big in areas that are not the United States. And so it's Atomics Magazine. It's on the iPad. It's an iPad magazine. It has, uh, we're, Area 5 is doing 80 to 85% of the content. And then they're taking our content and translating it into Spanish and subtitling our videos. So there's also a Spanish version of Atomics. But, of course, everybody listening to this podcast probably wants the English version, which is out now. And so you can go and you can download the Atomics app for free. And the, the But the first issue and every issue since is $0.99. Cents. But you should watch the promo video, which you can oh, find yeah, at area5.tv, yeah. right? Yeah, go to and, our and website. And you can kind of see what it's like because it's not just like a shitty, like, oh, we took a PDF and we made it to where you could flip <laughs> through pages of a PDF. Yeah, you guys yeah, are definitely yeah. not doing that route. It's very interactive and it's very definitely thinking, like, how can we use the iPad to make something that is, like, truly unique and taking digital magazines in a way that yep. feels like they should go rather than just trying to simulate a magazine experiment experience on yeah, fake paper. And that was the whole point is that like, how can we make this feel like you, you can't have this anywhere else other than the iPad. And, uh, I think that, so atomics were, they've been working on this app for a long time. Um, before they even talked to us about doing content for it, they talked to us. Right. They, it sounds like they were it. going to do it either way. Yeah. They were going to do it either way, but then they were like, 
we want this to be an English magazine, not just a Spanish magazine. And it needs to have a lot of video in it. Who do we know who does video? <laughs> <laughs> so then right. they got it. So they got a hold of us and they were like, uh, how would you guys like to do the content for this magazine and everything? And we were like, hell yeah, we'd love it. We'd been wanting to actually do an iPad app for a while, but we can't afford to hire somebody to work nine months on an iPad right. app for us. And these guys, so it's kind of the, the you know, the, the perfect synergy between two companies mm -hmm. is they have an app that needs content and we have content that needs an app. Yeah. It, it, I, and it, it 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 works so slick like you know when you when when you were showing it to us last week mm. um th i think it's so smart the way they handle content uh instead of doing multiple pages it's all just on one page that you scroll from bottom it to very up. much so works the way that i think people are used to browsing the web yeah like instead yeah. of making it like a magazine you made it like you were browsing through yeah like a series of web pages. Totally. Well, and in some ways, like I think it's even better than the web because like uh, most web pages these days, uh, they don't want you to scroll very long either, you know, because you, they don't get page views for that. Right. Yeah. They want you to go to page two, page three, page, page two, four, page but three. Yeah. yeah. And so like what the way that this works is that when you bring up the magazine, you can see this if you look at the demo video too, is like if you, if you swipe left or right on your iPad, imagine holding it in portrait mode, you swipe left or right, and that'll take you to a whole new story. And then you scroll up and down and the whole story is contained in the up and down. And uh, it's, you know, and our, our stories are anywhere from 500 words long to 1500 words long. Right. And they all have so embedded not, videos. And they all and have embedded videos. And if you turn it site, if you turn the, uh, the iPad into landscape on a lot of the articles that brings up a screenshot gallery and then you can flip through the screenshot gallery then you turn it back and it moves it back to where you left off and it's um, nice because it leaves you so much real estate to have like articles say what you want them to say rather than being beholden to like uh, a format page wrapped count, around, wrapped around images yep. yes yeah exactly and the design isn't restricted by a website template or anything mm -hmm. like and that's, that that's the other thing the design is amazing and the scrolling, like when you scroll pages, there's multiple layers, like so it's like it parallax scrolls. Um, yeah, you know, it's like almost. Like, you and know, that and dude, that shit is all Asher. Looks his, so his, fucking his uh, his full name is uh, Miguel Sandoval, mm -hmm. and uh, but his mid middle name is something strange that like gets shortened to Asher. So uh, anyway, mm -hmm. everybody calls him Asher, and he pretty much did all of the design for this first issue by himself. Mm, it looks. Great. It's fucking amazing. He's he's really really talented. All those yeah. guys are talented. They did great stuff too with the LA Noir assets where like the neon sign lights up. I love up. the way the cover of the magazine <laughs> is like interactive. Fuck like yeah, I know that it's dude. probably like like you know working in an online publication we still deal with a lot of people that are like, "Oh, they'll give you know a big reveal to Game Informer even though that has like 120th the reach of an IGN." Mm -hmm. But they do it because there's that certain like like pride of seeing something in a print magazine have being able to put on your wall right and i think that'll be kind of a a tougher sell maybe for atomics at first too but man you guys have like that unique thing that no one else can do like other sites can do like really shitty and, and invasive like flash like uh <laughs> things that pop up when you first open the page and you're like right. oh where's the close button yeah, yeah like when i saw get me to the content yeah, exactly where when i saw that i was like oh that just like made you feel like oh this is that yeah. is really cool. Makes you want to explore it. And, yeah. And plus, I mean, like you guys being on the iPad, I mean, shit, you, you guys can own, uh, you know, you're in a great position to own that sort of market of like the iPad games. Well, there's no I one mean, else that has an, on, an iPad gaming publication. No. That's it. 
No, and that that's that was part of our goal was like, you know what, if we can get this, and you know, like we we were thought because the Atomics guys when they came to us, they were first of all, let us know what you think of the app, and like we had a lot of feedback on it, so there has been a lot of design changes since they asked us to to help with it as well, and they were super receptive to our feedback and like. They would come back to us and say, well, no, actually, this won't work. And be like, oh, yeah, you know, you're totally right. And those guys came from the print world. Atomics was a huge print publication. They're, they're actually going all digital with this, too. Um, they were a huge print publication in Latin America. And um, it's it's just changed so much since, like, we first saw it. And, and almost er in, yeah, in pretty much all ways for the better. And so it's just been a really, really cool collaborative experience. And we were thinking to ourselves, like when we were first seeing it, well, let's let's wait until we can get an iPad app out and an Android app out and everything all at the same time. But after a while, we were just like, you know what? We need to get this out now so that we're first. As I say, being first to the market can be so important. Yeah. And it, yeah, for now, it's iPad only. But I mean, down the line, if tablets really do become this kind of ubiquitous, like ubiquitous part of our life, or mm -hmm. the point where people carry tablets the way... I mean, even when I go to the airport, right, like nowadays, like everybody's putting a laptop yeah. into a thing. Like it wouldn't surprise me someday to see everyone putting a tablet in. So, yeah, as long as it's, you know, if this obviously this where we got a lot riding on this and it needs to be a financial success before we can start development on other on apps for other platforms. Of course, we're already working on the second issue. We're already working on our May issue. Um, and you know, we're committed to making this, making this happen as, I mean, quite frankly, we're prepared to lose money on it in the short term. I think and, you have to be with, especially with anything yeah. where you're taking, where you're going to like basically uncharted territory. Yeah, exactly. Cause there, there aren't any metrics for this shit, you know, like we can't go out and like, oh, we expect to hit this number or that number. If or we can for you guys to be like, oh, selling it this way doesn't work. We've seen that because X, Y, and Z failed, so we're going to try this new marketing strategy. Well, there's a little bit of that because there's things like Wired, you know, where Wired was, everybody's like, oh, shit, digital magazine, and everybody downloaded it, and they were like, fuck, it's just their magazine. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, and I'm paying more for it than I would if I had a subscription. It's like, no, I don't think so. So that was another thing is we're like, you know what? Screw that. 99 cents an issue. That you sounds know, so like, good. Like, yeah. We're like, we're, we're going for, we are absolutely going for volume on this. Yeah. And that's, that's perfect. A cup of coffee, you know? Yeah. There you <laughs> go. It's like the subscriptions aren't available yet. I mean, cause Apple announced the way that they were going to do subscriptions. Right. Way too late into our development process to get right. it out there. Um, it'll happen of course eventually uh there you'll be able to do subscriptions for now you just have to buy each in, each right. issue manually from inside the app so you download the app once and then each issue will show up in the app as it becomes available and you can buy it individually it's not such a pain in the ass i mean i've done that with things like the hipstamatic camera program yeah. bought and stuff within there it's very yeah, yeah exactly um, um so there will be subscriptions eventually you can't do it now but we're still thinking that like even if you can't get a subscription and get a little bit of a discount 99 cents a month really isn't that much to isn't too much to ask no i mean uh, i pay 5.99 oh, man i just realized we've been in infomercial mode for a while but, oh yeah sorry about because <laughs> i was about to say 99 cents isn't really that much i pay 5.99 for xbox Live <laughs> and i hardly use it does this ever happen to you <laughs> but the, the yeah, only but, I, but I, what i will say is that while you you can obviously take what we're saying with a grain of salt because Matt is obviously, and all the Area 5 guys are friends of ours. Yeah. It's like, 
Tyler and I's excitement for this is genuine because we saw it and we were like, holy shit, like it's yeah. doing things like, you know, I, I, sh- I shared the sentiments with people online that were like, oh, this makes me want an iPad. Like mm. if there were more publications like this, I would have an iPad right now. <laughs> and it's just because it's like it's like when you see something like this, you're like, oh, if this is the way publications are going to move, I, I'm going to need one of these mm-hmm. because it's. Because what I like about that is you download all of the, uh, I guess, everything onto the actual iPad. So mm-hmm. to me, if I'm a user, I'm thinking, like, if I'm somewhere where I can't get internet, but I want to read about games, mm-hmm. it's right there. Well, not just that, know? but since you download the whole thing at once, you get all the screens. You're not trying to load screens. You're not trying to stream a video. You right. have that video there. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes each issue pretty big. Like, this first issue is, I think, like can't remember i want to say it's like 800 megabytes or something like that so they're big but if you wait for it to download you've got the whole thing on your ipad and then there's a little archive button you can say archive this issue for later and basically it just makes it so that you know it frees up that space on your ipad but you've bought it you can still re-download it if you want i feel like a lot of savvy gamers though that's not such a big deal to us anyways because all the time now i download Xbox Live Arcade games that are 800 megs. Or yeah, but you also don't have the restriction of a 16 gigabyte iPad. That's true. <laughs> but I, I mean, to me, it's always like if you have something like an iDevice, and, you know, I don't ever view outside of a few games. I've gotten a lot better about it, but I try not to view content on my iDevice as like something that once it's there, it has to stay there. Yeah. Because to me, it's like it's always constantly backed up on your computer. Right. So right. why not just to me? I constantly switch it out because I only have a 16 gig phone. Only. Right. Right. Um, it's more like a playlist. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I only keep certain yeah. songs on there. You yeah. Know, I don't know. I I think yeah. I wish you all the best. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I wish I had I wish I had an iPad right now so I could get <laughs> it. But since I don't, I expect several of you guys to go to. <laughs> I mean, you can go to what? You can go to Area5.tv to find it. You can go to the App Store and look for Atomics. Yeah, you can go to uh, AtomicsMag.com, uh, and you can go to, well, there's AtomicsMag.com, and then blog.AtomicsMag.com is like the Tumblr blog for it. And, of course, there's a f- Facebook slash AtomicsMag, and there's a tw- AtomicsMag Twitter and, you know, all that stuff. I like Atomics. makes me think of physics. I think, it's, <laughs> I think to me, I like the name only because it, it's like, at least you guys didn't just find some way to throw in the word game. Like, oh, Game God, Pro, no. Game Informer, Game Spot, Game Fuck Fan. Yeah. It's just like... Well, and the thing about the... Th- you know, it's game, like, game. I'm not, I'm not especially enamored with the name, like I already <coughs> said. But, you know, it's it's a brand that has recognition beyond our shores. And it's, it's kind of something that's... I, I feel like people in other languages could actually sort of see and understand what it is maybe um you know easier easier maybe because you know like you said if it has game in it you know like the because this is this is launching in both english and spanish you know and uh if it's a success we absolutely want it to be a worldwide product that is available in multiple languages japan it would be great to have Atomics in Japanese. It would be great to have Atomics in French. You know, like it would be really fucking cool if it got big enough to where we could do that. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. The, the, that's like <laughs> that's like total pie in the sky. Pie in the sky. Yeah. Way pie in the I sky. I want my Atomics in Romulan. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I put on the blog post. I like I put a little fact on the blog. Two years from now at E3 for there to be an Atomics booth. <laughs> I put on the... Uh, uh, 
it's a fact on the blog post on the area five website that like what about other languages and like it said uh like german french klingon <laughs> <laughs> and then i ended that particular section with kapla for all of my klingon friends out there yeah it's just like klingon oh. we got to find oh. some crazy ways no, to viral market atomics yeah so we'll figure it out Dig but it. uh Anyway, sorry for the infomercial, everybody, but we've been working on this a long time, and I'm really excited about but it. But no, if it's... you call now... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just... I, we got to give it a shout-out because we have this It's this cool venue, and exciting. And Fuck it's that. Cool. It's genuinely awesome. <laughs> exactly. I mean, There's I just... no need to apologize. And okay. by the time this podcast comes out on Friday, hopefully you'll be able to get it in every region because apparently we didn't know this until we launched the app, but Apple rolls out their apps... In, different, Reg- time in frames. different time frames for different regions, and they roll out in-app purchases after that. So there were people that could get the app, but couldn't get the in-app purchase even after the app became available. So, um, but by Friday that should all be sorted. One thing I will say is, since we're since we're pimping things, let's I will give a quick, quick shout out also to uh, Kill Screen. If oh, there's like other yeah. gaming publications you want to support, Kill Screen's a great one. What's that, Gil? Kill Screen is so Kill Screen started as a Kickstarter project. Yeah, and wow. uh, it's it's a very it's a very small but very dense magazine. It has a super it's like, super it's clean probably design. Like, it's probably like like I want to say like eight by seven or something. It's like it's kind of something like, like that. It's yeah. not like a full magazine size. It's more like a but it's pretty thick and it's very thick and dense and it's like it, they're not like trying to cut out words for. No, for is images. it kind of like? Yeah, because I know Jeremy Parrish. He yeah, puts it's like, out. He it's puts like when out. he does like his game spite volumes. Except yeah. Jeremy does them like in full on books. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is more just like these are like magazines, and they come out regularly. Okay. The, well, the, it's quarterly. Kill screens quarterly. Right, and I'm just saying, but they're completely supported by people buying them. Basically, yep, exactly. Like that is not like one where they're getting ad revenue and stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah mm. exactly. There are no ads in their magazine. Cool. I like them. That's so cool like, name, and look, yeah, look up Kill Screen and. Uh, totally worth your money. If you're a person who like loves games and loves the culture of it and doesn't want to just read previews and reviews, exactly because the stuff they yeah. do is evergreen, it's not supposed yep. to be like hot new news on Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's some shit on themes that you didn't even really consider when you're thinking about games. Yeah, Kill Screen is like it's a totally collect- collectible magazine. Like, 10 if it keeps going 10 years from now, I would be proud to have a shelf that was all Kill Screens. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to blow it out of proportion, but there's definitely some some sort of things in there where people are going to look back and be like, oh, shit, you actually have some of those? Like, whether it succeeds <laughs> or fails. Yeah, like, yeah. Because people are going to look back at that as like, oh, man, that was like someone taking advantage of like a new era of self-publishing. And yep. So, um, all right, we'll take a quick break. Come back with a few letters. back with letters um sean writes in and says this is a letter i would like you guys to read out to all rebel fm listeners with gaming relatives in the armed forces or who have served and or are currently serving excuse me my younger brother by about uh two years is going to boot camp for the navy this july after high school and of course i will miss him and would love to be able to send him something 
I've read and listened to letters about soldiers who game in the armed forces or tried to CPC gaming soldier with online activation issues. They, I remember that guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to know about what's permitted regarding handhelds slash consoles slash rules and regulations, etc. Basically, can I send my brother a 3DS or Xbox or whatever at some point? Will he be allowed to use it at all? Obviously, I need relevant info for sailors, but any insight would be appreciated. I doubt it during boot camp. I mean, it's only six months. Not during boot camp. No way. No, basically. No not, way. And basically, no they, they don't, don't want let to you have anything <laughs> during boot camp. I've had some family members in the military. They don't let you have anything. But when he's over, letters. when you he's overseas and stuff like that, and on the boat, I don't know that. Uh, like, since your brother's in the navy, if he's going to be serving on a ship, I think there's probably much stricter regulations. Well, than lots state. of ships have wreck areas, and a lot of them apparently do have consoles in them now. But yeah, this is totally one of those situations where we need listeners to write in and tell us what's yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, so because reply because to yeah. me it's like it's like when I briefly spent like the week that I spent on aircraft carrier stuff. Like your brother's not going to have like a spot where he can set up a TV or anything. Wait, you like spent that. a week on an aircraft carrier? I did. That's awesome. When was that? That was when I was like thirteen. That is fucking cool. Yep. Did you have but a good time? I had a good time. I slept in a bunk like the normal <laughs> like the normal guys. But what I will say is. Is he isn't gonna have like a room or anything? He's going to have no. a bunk. Well, yeah. So I the mean, best bed. Is, uh, that's why I think a laptop is such a great but or a handheld. He, uh, yeah. My buddy was in the navy, but he was a CB construction battalioner, so he was mm. on land all the time, and See, he had so a game. There's console. totally those options, but if he does sea time, which is what a lot of people do, uh, yeah, you know. I'd be really interested to hear what like listeners out there know about this stuff. Yeah. Um. Okay. The next letter is from Andy, and he says. I was happy to hear the letter from last week's podcast discussing examples of good storytelling. Hmm. As it happens, I am doing an independent study for college credit right now on that subject. For the first part of the semester, I play and write about some games that I thought had strong storytelling techniques. Man, I, this is a fucking college class. <laughs> I know, that, right? <laughs> I will attempt to use what I have learned and make a series of levels in Big Little Big Planet 2 to tell Whoa. my own story. That's a cool idea. I want to um, see your project when it's done. So I'm in the planning stages of the little big planet levels right now, but I've written two essays dissecting the narratives techniques of Mass Effect 1, 2, and Bioshock. I had made a few of the same discussion points mentioned during your talk, such as ME2 having the structure of a season of television rather than a movie, mm. as well as a few things you didn't touch upon. Um, so if you want to read these, he's posted them at actn.wordpress.com. Cool. I, I'll go read I them. would recommend, since he's... Making a game in a 2D uh, platformer engine, look at Flashback and look at Another World or Out of This World the way they tell stories because that's the medium you're going to be working in. You know, Bioshock and Mass true. Effect work because those are first and third person. You know, it's kind of, you're dealing with a different um, can of paints. Good point. Okay. The next letter is from Oliver. And he says... What uh, up, Ollie? This question is inspired by your discussion on Crisis 2 storytelling. Have you ever missed or under misunderstood information in a game with hilarious consequences? For instance, while playing Bioshock and trying to understand Atlas's accent without the subtitles, I thought I heard him call the main character Bio, when actually <laughs> what he said was Boyo. To me, the game is so me. The game is awesome so far, but what is but is the guy's name really Bio? How stupid is that? Did they name the game first or call after the character <laughs> did they really call him bio just to justify the name of the game why is his name bio to Kate boston in my head see it's called bioshock the game's name is bio and his first ability is the power to shock things electrically <laughs> gee whiz naming games is easy he says i fully believe that that was his name until i started reading bioshock wikis uh, 
That is awesome. I, I know that I, I can't think of the example, but I know it's happened to me before where I misunderstood something and I spent like three or four hours looking for a quest or looking for a key or trying to talk to somebody. I don't even remember what it was, but it was because I, I had misunderstood what was said to me. Yeah, there's dialogue. definitely been a couple of games that I, I can't think of specific examples, but where I've been like, oh, wait, wait, wait. So-and-so was his father? Like <laughs> like where I totally didn't pick up on that because it was like mentioned in passing or something <laughs> right. like that. Um, Alex wants to know Tyler. He says, uh, being a graphic designer, I was hoping I could hear some tips and tricks that Tyler has learned over the years. If anyone else does graphic design, I meant no offense by excluding you. I would love <laughs> to hear your tricks as well. Tips and tricks? Dude, shortcut keys, right? But uh, Well, I'm curious if he means like on like starting a freelance client base. I don't or know. Well, I think it's more like, graphic a, design like I actually think that he's actually asking for like. I think like actually tips, if like tips in, of in doing app. things because he said that he's like listened to Arthur give art tips. I don't know. Okay. Um well, I mean, I suppose like the number one thing I would say is that like anything you want to do in Adobe Suite, you can do it and there's probably a thousand ways you can do it. Just find True. the one way that's easiest for you. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to know. put it. Well, it's like uh, I use shortcut keys like crazy yeah. whenever I'm in Photoshop or Illustrator or whatever, but then I, I went to the Penny Arcade Expo, and you can watch uh, Mike Krulik draw a comic live, and he does everything like the slowest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the most sort of direct and obvious way, but like he doesn't use shortcut keys. He like instead of using selection tools and stuff, he <laughs> uses the eraser. You know, like. Uh all kinds of stuff like right. that but you just yeah, gotta funny. yeah basically just keep you find your own flow right? yeah i mean it's interesting you say that too because like i was watching a 60 60 minutes report on a an author i like a lot christopher hitchens and <laughs> it was showing him typing and he was straight up typing with both index fingers yeah and i was like what the <laughs> fuck Chris? well i mean even uh ryan scott you know he he still to this day does not ever type without looking at the keyboard really man and not only does he type looking at the keyboard but he only uses like uh he uses like his entire right hand and only like the first two fingers of his left hand. oh weird yeah so, it's funny like everybody just de develops their own muscle memory that's stuff. what i will say that in high school while i took a otherwise completely worthless typing class it did teach me how to type correctly <laughs> um, i would i would finally sorry just on the graphic okay. design tip thing um, I would say the most important thing that you can do when you're working with Photoshop or Illustrator documents is name your layers. Name every single layer that you do and organize them very, very well because it will make changing things that much easier. Um, the next letter is from Steven, and I feel like I can answer your letter, so... I've got a problem and would like some advice from people who are more familiar with the Bay Area. I have been accepted into SFS, SFSU for the fall. Wow. I am worried because I have... <laughs> Tyler shakes his head. Now I'm popping my neck. I, oh. <laughs> I am worried because I have a 55-pound female pit bull. I've oh, tried moving shit. out where I live now in Southern California and found it nearly impossible to find an affordable place that will allow a pit bull. Yeah. I realize affordable in the Bay Area is a relative term, but judging from what I've seen, the prices aren't terribly different from around where I currently am. Um... My parents have offered to take care of the dog, but I can't imagine leaving her behind. That being said, postponing college isn't an option. Do you have any advice on finding a place in the barrier with large, often 
vilified breed of dog or am I going to have to make an impossible choice? The dog is naturally docile, very people-friendly, housebroken, and well-trained. Does any of that matter to you? What would you do? Okay, so working with dogs all the time and especially pit bulls, I will tell you that first off, people in the Bay Area are much more open to pit bulls than a lot of other places because we have a shit ton of them. Hmm. Two, if you're looking for a place and they ask you what breed of dog you have, you should lie. (laughs) Really? That's crazy. I'm not telling you to lie and say that it isn't a pit bull if they ask. But I would tell you to tell them that it is a mixed breed of terrier. Just say it's a terrier mix. Like, and some people wow. are wise on that. And yeah. some people will be like, oh, it's probably a pit bull. Or, I mean, do you know for a fact it's a pit bull? When you say 55 pounds, 55 pounds is, it's not huge. Mm. That's a medium-sized dog. And I think that you could tell them it's a Staffordshire terrier. And Staffordshire terriers look almost identical to pit bull. Or tell them it's an American bulldog. Like, all these dogs look so similar. I'm saying that, I'm not, t- <laughs> I'm not saying that you should just go out and lie. Well, but you are. <laughs> but, I'm saying, but I'm saying that if it, if it takes that to get your dog to live with you, like I, I think that like it's it is a ridiculous thing, and a lot of times the only reason they do it is because homeowners insurance won't cover pit bulls or rottweilers. Mm. Um, but if they're not insuring you, then it shouldn't really be an issue. It comes down to them just feeling like some sort of personal thing about it. Mm-hmm. So I just think that unless they per- ask you to specifically disclose the breed of the dog, I would just call it a terrier, like because it is a terrier. Hmm. Um, I would have to say, though, like, because Jody and I are looking for a place that allows dogs because I want to uh, rescue a a Yorkie. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of places, we're we're having a hard time finding good places that allow dogs. And a lot of places will have uh, stipulations like small dogs only. Right, right. And And so so the other point I was going to make is that you should not live in San Francisco. (laughs) Like, flat out. Like, you can find much more dog-friendly places out in the East Bay. It's almost been... All my friends' experiences in the in the East Bay or like South San Francisco, Daly City area, right? Um, like living in the city itself, yeah, it's just harder because. I mean, I would say that like if you're if you're looking for the awesome college experience, you're gonna want to live in the city, and if you can't find a place, it may be worth leaving your dog behind for a couple years while you're in. College. Now the other the side of it, I was gonna say is that um, if you're not gonna accept it till the fall, that's still a few months away. And you probably you could, have enough time. You could look into uh, getting your dog. You say it's well trained, right? But the thing is, is that you saying it's well trained, having some sort of documentation that you can have. Oh, that's a good and point. And so what I so what I would look into if I was you is uh, either get trying to get your dog like canine good citizen certified mm-hmm. because when you have that, that's like a huge deal to people. Like you can present this documentation, and be like, oh, my dog's been certified as like you know friendly, blah blah blah. Oh, wow, nice. Or you should talk to a doctor and see if they'll write you a prescription for an emotional support animal. If it's like really concerned to you, because the point where you can get a doctor to write you an emotional support animal prescription, which is really not that hard. They can write it just like a prescription for medication. Hmm. And at that point, the dog is more like a wheelchair and that sort of thing. They can't allow you to not have it. Hmm. And wow. That is crazy. I, I didn't know that. I know that because I have a prescription for one. I just uh, have never taken advantage of it. Right. So. You should, that, those are just options. I mean, San Francisco has some of the most lax laws about uh, support animals. That's as true. Well. That's definitely so true. You can look into that. Um, okay. Showing more letters. More letters. <sighs> this is just a funny letter from Mike. And I could see this because I've seen the way people at my work treat their 3DSs with StreetPass. I don't even understand exactly what StreetPass does, other than I think. If you come close to someone who has it turned on, you guys trade me's and you might trade like puzzle pieces that you need. Okay. So it's like a metagame. And he says, he says, my 3DS is turning me into a pedo. <laughs> and all he means by that is he says, he says, 
I walk around with my 3DS to get pedo points, which he means like it actually keeps track of your pedometer and gives you points right. for that. Right. But then he says, then I slowly drive by school bus stops <laughs> so I can get street passes from kids. Oh, dude. That's just like... That's, that's be asking wrong for trouble. All kind of ways. <laughs> I guess as long as you don't go by the same school bus stop more than once. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just funny. Dude, I don't know. Like, find a less creepy place. Like, go hang out at a mall or something. <laughs> or don't do that. Just just don't care about it. Yeah, just um, don't care about it. <laughs> Rob writes in, and he wanted to just know where he could find the Beyond Good and Evil Game Club. And the thing is, the reason you can't find it is if you're looking in our feed, you'll never find it. Yeah, it's, it's like, 1UP FM Game Club. And if that still exists... Or 1FM one one up FM Backlog. Yeah, 1UP FM Backlog. You might be able to find it. Yeah. Otherwise, I would just try and Google search 1UP FM like uh, Beyond Good and Evil and see if someone's cataloged it. Someone has yeah. to have it. It's got to be up somewhere. Um, hard likely. to say. I mean, like 1UP took down a lot of their podcasts. Yeah, and some and eventually on iTunes, if you don't put up new episodes, oh, they'll, right, take they'll kill it. Huh. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I'm using my phone like the future. <laughs> um, it's the future. Okay. Tim writes and he says, uh, "I write to you today about writing." <laughs> um, Sweet. So, have any of you ever tried your hand at writing stories? Uh, if so, or other fiction. If so, how did it go? Personally, I have a story I've been writing myself off and on that tops 60 pages. I find it helps if I imagine it as a movie and write from there. I don't know any other way. Um, and sorry to go for the two-for-one deal, but one more question. <laughs> what are your favorite ways to get around writer's block? If it's really bad, I walk away and do something else. Often Battlefield Bad Company too. If I'm simply stuck, I'll watch my batshit insane eight-month-year-old kittens romp around. With the slightest sense of self-preservation. <laughs> um, That's so. great. Uh, I I have I've tried writing a novel before. I'm. It's uh, for a long time I was just writing handwritten pages from the time I was about sixteen till I was like twenty three or something like that, and I got to three hundred and so. Uh, handwritten pages. I don't know how many that is in an actual novel or whatever, but I never sure. finished it, and then. Recently, I've actually gone back and started a whole new thing. I found this really cool program. Uh, it's called Scrivener, mm. and I use it on my on my Mac, and it actually uh, helps me organize everything really well for the for the book that I'm working on. Um, I am writing a lot, of course, for the new Atomics. Um, I don't know enough to say if. I am an excellent writer or not, <laughs> but I do know that I really enjoy it. And Scrivener helps me for the novel stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Stephen King's the one who said like, you know, his like famous memoir on writing that like mm. the most important thing is, is in his opinion, you will never be a good writer mm -hmm. if you cannot set aside like four hours a day to write. Like at least every day. If you cannot do that every I day, I thought it was like an hour a day or something. No, I'm pretty sure he said it was something four hours. Was a like day. it was like yeah, like not only that, yeah. but his whole motto is like writing two thousand words a day every day, no mm -hmm. matter what. Mm -hmm. Like, but uh, I can understand that if you want to be if you want to be a writer, a novelist, that has a lot of volume. Yeah, like to <laughs> me, I writing. I like to write fiction and stuff. I've only ever yeah. started one story, and I'm only two pages into it, but it's sitting yeah. in a Google Doc. 
with, with intentions to <laughs> yeah. someday touch it again. <laughs> well, I th- I actually think that it's it's more difficult to be to to write fiction if your job is writing. Like you know, you write reviews and stuff all day. Yeah, I don't use the fiction muscle very much. Yeah, it, it must. Well, I would just think it must be hard to actually be a writer at all if you, your job is a writer of some other kind. Yeah. Just like it's kind of hard for me to to want to edit my family's uh, like reunion videos and stuff because I edit so much video all the time. Oh, yeah. I like don't want to do it as a leisure activity. Yeah. I mean, it's just like there are days when I come home and I don't play games and I just paint models. Yeah, there you, you go. <laughs> um, so Benjamin was wondering why we, why we never talked about Dead Space Severed, like the Severed DLC for two. Um, hmm. I did thought get, we did like real briefly. I, I think because was, was I the only was I the only one who played it? I think you might have been the only one that played it. I haven't or, played it. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah you it. talked about yeah, it because you did talk about yeah, you did it. Talk about I guess, it I guess he was just expecting the story. He was of, expecting more talk. I guess uh, just because, but it's because I was the only one who played it. Yeah, I think that's why. It's interesting, you know, if you played especially the on rails one because it continues mm-hmm. those stories, but right. such a weird disconnect and like and storytelling's hard when all you're doing is shooting things and that's all that guy does so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, um oh well yeah you know that's it's kind of true i wish they would do more dead space 2 dlc i don't know yeah. i don't know if it's going to be uh yeah, me too one of those um i'm sure they could i mean that's a that's such an expansive universe yeah. now they could do a lot of stuff with it especially if you've read the books like this like uh Whatever the, uh, whatever that, crap. There's. I even did an article in the first issue of Atomics on gaming novels where I called out the Dead Space book. What's it called again? Oh, uh, mother idiots. Martyr. Yeah, martyr. Like martyr would make an awesome piece of DLC. There is like, especially the end of that book. I'm like, man, this would be a fucking great game level. Anyway. Okay. Well, I'm reading this one because it's the subject line was Anthony helped me throw up <laughs> from Trent. And he says, uh, I was drunk last night and I had a little too much. So I got in the shower and started to feel like I was going to blow some chunks. <laughs> I resisted at first because I didn't want to puke at the time. But after a few minutes, I knew it was going to happen eventually. I didn't want to. F- I didn't want. I didn't waste time. So I decided I was going to go ahead and do it. However, I didn't want to walk all the way to the toilet because oh, Jesus. I was too damn far. So I bent down in the shower oh. and out of the blue. I thought of Anthony or maybe been Tyler saying on the <laughs> podcast, who knows how long ago that he throws up in the shower because he doesn't want to stick his face in the toilet. <laughs> Is this you, Tyler? No, no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who he's talking about. Maybe, or maybe Arthur, or like maybe Ryan or somebody. one of but our guests. Maybe he said he clogged the shower. Long story short, <laughs> oh, he did. Of course, he did. So that's why you do it in the fucking toilet. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't think of anything and for, worse. And what, you know what? What I always do if I is like, <sighs> I if I feel like I'm gonna throw up, dude, it's finger down the throat, and I swirl my finger. In circles. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Violently. I just like it works so good. For me, it's something just like I and I keep my bathroom really clean, so it's not like my toilet is disgusting or something, mm-hmm. but there's just something about like leaning over the toilet that if I feel like I'm going to, it it goes. That's it enough. Blows. That's enough of That's the enough. Re- triggered response yep. for sure. Um so now that we've gone through that pleasant subject, hey, is there somebody following up about how to best take a dump? 
No, but there was a couple more follow-up emails about the steroid thing. Like that's like the really? most, uh, that is like the most trending email we've perhaps ever done. <laughs> it makes sense. That's cool. Um, you no, know, one thing I was wondering though, I have been watching An Idiot Abroad with Oh uh, yeah, Ricky that Gervais, show is fucking hilarious. Stephen Merchant and Carl P- Pilkington. Yeah. And uh and yeah, man, they they discuss on there a lot of the, you know, when you go into some foreign countries like Italy, I know it has a few toilets like this, like there are the toilets that have no oh, seat. No seat, like or they're just, just a hole in the ground. Like squat basically yeah. over a porcelain hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's so crazy. It's actually better for you. Really? Yeah, like taking a dump while sitting, like most of us do on toilets, actually isn't near as good for uh, your muscles or your bowels as it is to squat all the way down to the ground. Well, imagine that doesn't it cuts make any the sense. circulation off. Well, not only that, but I, f- I feel like. Uh, it's too easy to spend too much time on the toilet when you're sitting like we are. <laughs> no, and I, and I mean that in a, in a serious in a serious way, just because uh, just because like hemorrhoids are such a problem with people, and oh, that often true. results from spending too much time sitting on the toilet and straining and stuff. And I wonder how much of that could be alleviated if we just fucking squatted. Yeah, I don't know. Oh well, um, toilets are for old people. So, squatted. Hey, th- that's what a lot of Asia does. Yep. So, okay. They're also see. more sprightlier in their old age. Is there a connection? I think so. <laughs> um, I guess we can do a relationship letter. What about this steroids one? What's somebody else saying? Well, on that so one? I will say to the guy that took steroids, like several people wrote in, and no one, no one thinks no it's one, a good idea. Yes, right. Like including people that we've had who are medical professionals. Oh, really? That say well, what's some of the medical professional advice? I mean, we never have any professional advice on this show. It'd be interesting <laughs> yeah. to hear some. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, let me find it. Okay. So one guy writes in, and he's not a medical professional, but his name, he says not to read his name. <laughs> but he says... <laughs> I'm uh, glad you caught that first. He says that he took out his cousin, and it was his sister's 20th, and his cousin was annoyed all night, which seemed really weird. And as he drank, it got worse, and he talked to him, and he found out he'd been taking steroids. So he left with him, and then his cousin started hitting street signs, brick walls, denting steel garages. Um, wow. And it caused a, an argument between his ex and him. Uh, well, now his now ex. Right. Um, so, and, you know, basically, this his whole cousin was just belligerent and angry the whole night, and it all turned out that it was basically having the steroids. Steroid mood swings. Yes, and... And, you know, he, what he's saying is this caused two things to happen. I broke up with my ex, and to this day I won't drink with my cousin, partly for the history, partly out of fear. <laughs> so before you think of steroids, you should think of who might I hurt and know that there is a large side story to that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, his cousin was doing these things, and his cousin might not have punched anyone, mm-hmm. and his cousin might not have done these things, but, you know, his behavior obviously, you know. And it impacted the people around him. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So... Um, so you can't find the medical professional one should we just move on yeah i think we should just i think we should just move on all right sounds like a bad idea yeah the medical professional basically said if if you've done research and you think that it's time to take steroids you haven't done research enough i like uh, that and, yeah, yeah. And, he, and, and he said basically because while like what everyone points to is not the physical things like no one has pointed to like the oh you're going to you know have problems with your heart and stuff everyone points to the fact that it psychologically affects your your health. Mm-hmm. Like the one guy, the medical professional, I only remember because I read his letter, compared it to mm-hmm. like taking your awesome body, mm-hmm. like a $60,000 
or like a six hundred thousand dollars sports car, and then deciding to like open the hood and just fucking hit it with a sledgehammer for a while. Wow. Like how he described it. He's like, yeah. you know, you take this thing that you've worked really hard to do, and like you give it like a crazy boost or something that might do something good for it for like ten for like a while, but it's mm-hmm. gonna break down. Right, like, right, right. So. Wow. Um, Watch the wrestler. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I can't tell you. What, I can't tell you what to do. Um, I don't. Yeah, I can't. Don't okay. use steroids. So Sean writes in a different Sean, and he says, uh, "Don't use my name." Earlier, THQ stated that Relic's <laughs> next game will be announced in August. I haven't heard this. Um, oh, I didn't hear this at all. I don't know what it is, but I would like to hear speculation. My hope, call. I mean, uh, my hope is Company Heroes Vietnam. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking they're working on a on a big Company of Heroes update, like a new. I think Company of Heroes is dead to them. I don't think we'll you ever think see so? another Company of Heroes game. Mm-hmm. Well, because that online thing they did, they shut that down pretty quick. I huh? just don't think that uh, that tanked already. I think it, so. They they just they just said that it's a uh, it's indefinitely basically. Gotcha. Like they're sitting on it. They're not sure what to do with it. Yeah, I don't think that they'll ever do another one just because I don't know that those games made that much money. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, if they're doing RTSs, it's more lucrative for them to do Warhammer things. Yeah. But I could see them maybe doing a return to something like Home, Homeworld that they did back in the day. Remember Homeworld? That game was fucking hard. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe something like that. But I, I Or maybe a Company Heroes that would be modern, but there's definitely no way we'll ever see a World War II win again. Mm. I don't think so at all. No, I wouldn't think so either. Um... But I also don't know that Company Heroes Vietnam would be any good because while the Americans had all kinds of armor and stuff like that, like playing as the Vietnamese would suck ass. You'd have to give them all kind. Well, I don't know. It could be interesting if you weren't afraid to give them all kinds of suicidal tactics. Yeah. It'd just be like this hardcore infantry-based army. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And yeah, I, I think that you're right. They would have to take some, some pretty intense like mm-hmm. uh risks as far as uh yeah it would be it would be uncomfortable um, in terms of game design so i will say that i found the letter and it was, his name was william and uh what he says is he is a he's a microbiologist mm. but he said his major in college was behavior and neurobiology mm. so um he said, I did a lot of research on intersex people, so I know a bit about how unbalanced hormones affect the body and mind. Hmm. And so I guess since I read it, found it, should I read it? I read yeah, yeah, read it. I, re- I want to read part of his metaphor. He says, uh, he says, basically, he says, I'm not going to go to Wikipedia and list all the horrible things that steroids can and probably will do to your body. But let me just say that athletic doping with steroids is like buying the most complicated, intricate and expensive sports car in the world. And then charging the spark plugs with the sledgehammer. What should, <laughs> what should concern you even more, though, is how the steroids will affect your mind. Admittedly, it's been a few years since I was reading journals and keeping up with endocrinology, but there's still a huge amount we don't know about hormones like stero- how hormones like steroids interact with the brain. Mm. Words like the soul or consciousness have lost all of the me- have a lot of metaphysic- metaphysical baggage, but something in that gray matter up there tells you who and what you are. And if you take steroids, you will be altering it just as much as your biceps. Chemical alteration of the brain isn't always a bad thing. It happens naturally. It can be good. And some people even need it day to day. But the chemicals you're dumping up there are the ones that can amplify the basest, least desirable qualities of the human psyche. You'd essentially be trading the person who you are now for something that could be taken away from you with one failed drug test or a word to the wrong person. 
He says, I can't tell you how to live your life, but it seems to me like you're a pretty nice guy. The person that comes out of the end of that needle might not be. So that's no. nice. That says it better than I ever could. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, all right. That letter is far too long. I'm going to find one more to kick it off with. <laughs> we're going to kick it <laughs> or you, off. Or you mean to end it off with? Yeah. Because yeah. we kind of already kicked it off. All right. <laughs> uh, the final letter is from Matt. He says, I've been with my curl. I current, write in a lot. Current girlfriend. Yes, you did. A little over a year, but I can't help but feeling like our relationship is reaching its end. The issue I have here is that I feel like we're just becoming two different people. We're both 18, but mm. I've experienced quite a bit more than she has, and I like to think my outlook on life is a little more realistic. I used to be the kind of kid who had no problem <laughs> doing stuff I shouldn't have done, but nowadays I have a lot more to think about and do. She gets mad that during the week I'm tired, and whenever she wants to tell me about what she did with her friends, I really don't want to hear it. Because it usually turns into her telling me she did something stupid. Not like cheat or anything. Just shit I've come to not approve of. I don't know what to do. And I'm quite angry as I write this. All I can think of is to ask you guys what you would do. He wrote this from his iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) I would say if you're both 18 years old, then you're both changing very, very rapidly. I mean, like... You might be know, thinking maybe that you're... you're one way that you think you are now, yeah. but that's not actually. Man, I can tell you that there was a bunch of shit I believe when I was 18 that I don't really believe as strongly yeah. anymore. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And you may think that because you had a, I don't know, maybe a harder life, you did a lot of stupid shit that she didn't when she was younger and that she's going through now that somehow you're ahead of her in maturity. But, dude, when you're 18, the, mo- the most difficult thing that you can ever admit to yourself is that you are not mature and that you do not know and you are much not the about yourself. Of the yeah, I mean, I know that yeah. sounds kind of crazy, probably to you right now, and I know that you'll hear everyone say exactly the words coming out of her mouth. But mm-hmm. now that we've all gone through it too, like th- through it, like I've, uh... my parents said it to me all the time. I didn't believe them, you know. Like my older brothers and sisters and stepsisters said it all to me, and I never believed them, you know. I, mean, it's I like... look back at the person I was when I was like twenty-one and stuff. And I'm like, man, I was like a baby. Yeah, like, I just did not know anything. Yeah, no, you really, really don't. And I, I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's just part of it. Like. When you're that age, you can't admit it to yourself because you have no frame of reference. You know, it, you know, it's 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 an old saying. You know, uh, s- someone with knowledge knows what they don't know. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> you, you don't even know what you don't know. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like relevant to your particular situation, perhaps more relevant. Uh, it sounds to me like you're just two different people, and if you're if you're so annoyed by her that you, you can't see the things that you enjoy about her anymore, you don't even want to hear about like what she done with her friends. Like I know, oh, come on. That's definitely one thing <laughs> that I learned is that like you know the um, listening to my girlfriend means that I have to listen to the things that I want to listen to and the things that I don't want to listen to, and it's like usually what comes out on the other end is that like all right i am listening to you now even though i would kind of rather finish this game she's talking to me so i'm going to listen to her and invariably what happens at the at the uh as that's happening as i go like oh wow i really did want to listen to her (laughs) yeah and that's kind of one thing that you have to like you know i think that comes with being involved in you know more relationships or whatever is that like it sounds kind of like you guys can't connect yeah yeah like if you have that connection you do kind of you want to make you want to sacrifice your own i don't know i don't know what to call it your own playtime or whatever autonomy or something yeah you're willing to give a little bit of yourself up yeah 
and because like the rewards that come out of the other end of uh, being patient with the other person are worthwhile. But I mean, that's part of, I mean, I've broken up with people before because, you know, the, those rewards weren't yeah. worthwhile. So, you know, like y even if you're putting out the effort and it still doesn't feel like it's working for you, then it probably isn't working for you. That's the word. And you're still a baby. You can send in your baby letters <laughs> to letters at eat-sleep-game.com. You can find me on Twitter at Chuff Money. You can find Tyler on Twitter at Dirty Tea, like the drink. And you can find Matt on Twitter at uh, a talk. No, just Talking Orange. Yeah. There's no A. There's just no Talking a. Orange. Just Talking Orange. Um, So... And Arthur, who's normally here, should we give his too? Yeah, you can find it A-E-G-I-E-S. Nice. Um, you can also go out and buy an iPad from <laughs> apple.com slash store, <laughs> at which point you can download the Atomics app and subscribe for a low, low price of 99 cents a month. Yep. So much more important than, you know, I don't know. 99 cents a month, you know. You could teach a kid to read or you could buy <laughs> Or you atomics. could buy atomics. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fuck it. Uh, all right. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. I hear them all, I hear them all, I hear them Okay, let's let's all take turns talking. Hello, I'm talking. This is me talking. Hey, I'm talking right now. This is me talking to you. I am talking to you. Hey, hey. oh man, I'm so talking. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking right now. <laughs> <laughs>